What is up, Trace Church? How are we doing? You guys doing good? Good. Uh, well, glad you guys are here today. Uh, I want to say welcome to any of you that are joining us for the very first time. I want to say thanks for accepting uh, the invitation, that whether you got invited by a friend or a family member or some rando at the gym, uh, whatever the case, we're excited that you're here with us. And as you've heard us talk about over the last several months here at Trace, we're trying to create a culture of invitation. And so that means two different things. Uh, the first thing is we want to be the kind of people, we want to be the kind of church that never passes up an opportunity to invite someone to be a part of what God is doing here at Trace. Uh, that we want your friends, we want your family members, we want your neighbors, your coworkers uh, to come and experience what happens here on Sundays because we never know what those invitations could turn into. That those invitations, they could save a marriage. That they could talk a kid out of suicide. They could end depression and loneliness for someone. They could give them freedom from addiction. They could provide stability in a particularly rough season. But we never know what hangs in the balance of our invitation unless we ask it. And so we want to be the kind of people that ask it and that invite others to be a part of what's happening here at Trace. But that's the first part. The second part is this, how we treat the people who accept those invitations. And we want to make sure there's a door that's being opened for people that are coming in here. We want to make sure there's a smile to welcome them. There's a warm cup of coffee to wake them up on maybe a particularly chaotic morning. And while our teams take care of a lot of that, what we're asking of you guys is that you guys do everything that you possibly can to make people feel welcome that accept one of those invitations that don't just point them to the kids' area, like walk them over there, show them what it's about. That when there's a baby in here that's crying and going crazy, don't give the parents the death stare, okay? Instead, get to know that family. And maybe next time, hold that baby so that person can enjoy service for themselves. Like smile, learn a name, take somebody out to lunch, save a seat for someone else, make a new place feel like home. And guys, we believe when this happens, those invitations truly do turn into transformations. And that's what we're all about here at Trace. And so can we do that? Cool. Awesome. Well, my name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here at Trace. And specifically, I get to work with high school and middle school students that attend here at Trace. And can I just say I love my job? Like, I, I get to have a lot of fun. Uh, I get to meet new kids all the time. I get to play games with them. We get to remove obstacles that, so that students can come to know Jesus, but then also make a difference in their life. Like, it's a ton of fun. But if you're a student in here, middle school or high school, and I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, I'd love nothing more than to get to know you right after this service. I'll be out in the lobby, and then I'd love to invite you to be a part of our programming here at Trey. So please come find me right after this. However, as a church, we've been in this series called uh, Catch the Wind. That as a church, we want to take full advantage of everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer us. And so we've been going through this series on the Holy Spirit. How many of you have enjoyed this series yeah, me too. That I've really appreciated this series and all the work that Pastor Aaron has put into leading our church through what to many is a very confusing topic, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit. The past, Pastor Aaron, he kicked off this series by sharing this statistic that according to Barna, a religious research group, 60% of Christians in America said that they don't believe in the person of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Guys, that's a staggering statistic. That means that three out of every five people that claim to follow Jesus are missing out on a huge part of our faith. And here at Trace, like, we're not okay with that. And we want to do something about that. And so we've been in this series, and Pastor Aaron, he kicked it off by talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a who, not a what. And we talked about some of the various different characteristics of the Holy Spirit. But then last week, he, he talked to us about what the Holy Spirit does. 
that he empowers people with a purpose, and that purpose is to magnify Jesus. That the Holy Spirit, he's interested in gifts and not gimmicks. And I would tell you, if you missed either one of those sermons, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to those. Because I really do think they'd be beneficial for you. But today we're going to be talking about something different. That over the last couple of weeks, we've kind of given you an overview of the Holy Spirit. That to a large degree, we've talked up here, right? We've talked about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. But today we want to talk about how does this impact you? That we want to get really practical. How does this affect you? Like, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives on an everyday basis? But then also, what happens when we don't? What happens if we choose not to let the Holy Spirit guide our lives? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn them open, turn them on to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be camping out today, Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to be starting in verse 25. Paul says this. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so Paul is saying, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you claim to know who the Holy Spirit is, if you claim to use his power, if you claim uh, to, to use his gifts, if you want to be the kind of church, the kind of people that catch the wind and take full advantage of everything the Holy Spirit has to offer, then you have to continuously walk with the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is more than just a force that's at work in this world. No, instead he can be one of your closest friends. That he's more than just a character in the story that is life. No, he can be one of your constant companions as Jesus describes him when he first talks of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard this verse reference to keep in step with the Spirit. And while that seems a little bit vague about what that looks like, uh, as I've heard this verse, every time I hear this verse, I can't help but think of dancing, okay? I can't help but think uh, of dancing. And originally, guys, like I had planned this whole choreographed dance for you guys uh, to really solidify this point. You guys would have loved it. There were some flips, some spins. At one point, I was like juggling flaming chainsaws. Um, and then we were going to close with like a live elephant and a flamingo um, for the finale, but I'm looking at the clock and we don't have that much time and so I had to cut it. So really sorry to disappoint and some of you are still trying to figure out flamingo and elephant, it's a joke, like relax, okay? But no, the truth is this, I hate dancing. I hate dancing. More specifically, I am really bad at dancing. Now whenever we go to weddings and the dance party starts and somebody's trying to get me out on the dance floor with them, like my go-to response is, sorry, I don't dance, it's against my religion. And it turns out that whenever you say that, like people will leave you alone, like forever, um, when you say something like that. But because I don't like dancing very much, uh, I've had a lot of opportunities to observe a lot of different dances. Had a lot of opportunities to observe a lot of different people dancing. And what I've learned is that all dances are basically the same. Now, whether it's a fancy fundraising event or banquet, or it's an extremely awkward like middle school Sadie Hawkins dance that when you strip away the decorations, when you take away the punch, you're left with basically the same thing. And when it comes to dancing, there's only three types uh, of people. Uh, the first type of people are people like me that simply just don't dance, right? That we sit awkwardly by and, or stand and watch everyone else dance. And we think we're better than everyone else because, you know, dancing is so far beneath us. But the truth is that we want more than anything to be out there dancing with everybody else. 
But because we're afraid of what people are going to think of us or because we think we might make a fool of ourselves, uh, instead we often miss out on a good time because we play it safe. And so like I said, first there's people like me that don't dance, and then there's people like some of you guys that think you can dance, right? And these are the people that have more confidence than competence when it comes to dancing, that they get out there and they just go for it. Like I'm talking limbs are flying everywhere. There's absolutely no order to it. There's absolutely no rhythm to it. And generally like a circle gets created around these people, which only encourages them because they think everybody wants to watch them dance. But in reality, everybody's trying to get out of the danger zone, right? That these people, they're generally missing joints in their hips, uh, that they're rhythmically challenged, that they're constantly going to the DJ, asking him to play the Cupid Shuffle or the Cha-Cha Slide so that somebody can tell them what to do in order to dance. There's people who think they can dance. And so there's people like me who don't dance. There's people like some of you that think they can dance. But then there's a select few people that can actually dance. And if you find somebody like this, like, like this is a, a treat. They're subtle in their motions. They're gracious in their movements. They draw the eyes of many without trying to. They stir up conversations in the room without trying to. That they're a wonder to witness. They're a privilege to behold. That if you've ever witnessed a couple of people that can actually dance, like it's captivating. Like it'll hold your attention for hours. And over the years, I've thought about, you know, what is it that separates these people that can actually dance from these other two uh, groups of people? And what I found is it's just one simple thing. And that one simple thing is whether or not the two partners that are dancing can keep in step with one another. That when one moves, the other follows. That when one charges forward, the other reverses. And the two can complement each other's movements and motions. And if they're really good, they can do this sometimes without even thinking about it. And the longer that I've done this faith thing, the longer that I've been following Jesus, the more that I've seen, the same can be said of people trying to follow Jesus. The same can be said of people trying to keep in step with the Spirit, that really there's just three groups of people. There's some that just don't. That whether it's out of embarrassment, whether it's out of fear, whether it's out of pride, whether it's out of previous hurt, or sometimes it's just pure choice. They choose not to follow Jesus. There's some people that don't, but then there's other people that think they are following Jesus. They think they're keeping in step with the Spirit, that they go through the motions every single week, that they show up to church every week, they pray before every meal, they memorize much of their Bibles, which none of these things are bad. But eventually they think of themselves in the middle of a circle, assuming everybody is looking at them and thinking, man, how good of a Christian is that person? When in reality, everybody else is just trying to avoid them that they're trying to hold them at, at arm's length because they're afraid that either they might rub off on them or they might accidentally hurt them. And so you have people who don't, you have the people who think they are, but then you have a select group of people, a few people that truly are keeping in step with the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit says go and they go. That the Holy Spirit says stop and pray and they stop what they're doing and they pray for someone. The Holy Spirit says, no, not yet, and they wait patiently. And when you find somebody like this, like it's captivating, that people are both so aware and attuned to where the Holy Spirit is leading that sometimes they can act even without thinking about it. And these kinds of people, they're intriguing to us, that they're joyful when they shouldn't be, that they have this steadiness, they have this stability that nothing seems to be able to take away from them. 
that they have this selflessness that's infectious to the people around them. And when you find people like this, you wanna do everything you can to be around them more. Why? Because it seems they've figured out something the rest of us haven't. And we think maybe if we can just surround ourselves with people like that, maybe some of that will rub off on us. And that's what we wanna talk about today. What does it mean to be somebody who actually keeps in step with the Spirit? What does it mean to be somebody who actually allows the Holy Spirit to guide our lives? But before we talk about that, we have to ask the question, why does this even matter? Like what's actually at stake here? What would happen if we chose not to keep in step with the Spirit? But then also, what are the benefits for choosing to do so? See, I'm a firm believer in the fact that when, as followers of Jesus, God commands us to do something, it's not just because it's the right thing to do. It's not just because morality dictates us to do so. No, I'm a firm believer in the fact that when God asks us to do something or commands us to do something, it's because he knows what's best for us. And I've seen that to be true over my life, and I believe that keeping in step with the Spirit is one of those things. That is not just the right thing to do, but I truly believe that it is the best thing for us. And that's the argument I'm going to try and make today. And so to do that, I want to show you the argument that Paul makes in Galatians chapter 5. He says this. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. That's what we're talking about today. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And if you do that, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And so immediately, Paul, he's setting up this choice for us. He's saying on one end, you can let the Holy Spirit lead your life, guide your life, or you can let your sinful desires guide your life. That you can do what the Holy Spirit wants over here, or you can do what you want. But the choice is yours. That nobody gets to make this choice for you. This is a choice you get to make and only you get to make. And Paul, he sets up this comparison and he furthers it as he continues in verse 17. He says this, the sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other. And so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And so Paul, he couldn't have been more clear here that our sinful nature is at war with the Holy Spirit. That these two guys, guys, they can't coexist. Why? Because they want different things for us. And we get this. We know what this feels like. We know what the inner dialogue sounds like when there's something we want to do that we know is wrong or that the Holy Spirit convicts us is wrong. And we experience that friction. And we experience that tension inside of us whenever these things happen. Like, uh, we understand what this feels like. Like, this probably happened to you on Thursday, on Thanksgiving, right before you grabbed your 15th crescent roll. And you're reaching for that thing, and you're like, this isn't such a good idea. But you do it anyway, right? And you understand that friction, or this is the same feeling you get when you wake up in the morning and you hit the snooze button for the eighth time rather than go to the gym and live a healthy lifestyle. This is the urge you have to lie, rather than get in trouble, rather than to fess up, rather than to take responsibility for what you've done. Why? Because that hurts. This is the urge you have to hide rather than heal because healing's hard and healing takes work. Guys, that feeling, that tension you're experiencing, that's the sin, that's the sinful nature that is trying to lead you, warring with the Holy Spirit that's trying to change you. And we know what that feeling feels like when we know we shouldn't do something, but we do it anyway. That Paul, I think he describes this feeling pretty well in Romans chapter 7 when he says this. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That's a big statement. Nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. 
I want to do what's right. That's the Holy Spirit. But I can't. That's the sinful nature. I want to do what's good. That's the Holy Spirit. But I don't. That's the sinful nature. I don't want to do what is wrong. That's the Holy Spirit. But I do it anyway. That's the sinful nature. And round and round and round it goes. We all understand what this feels like. That we know what it feels like the moment after we've done something wrong, done something that we shouldn't have done, and we're overwhelmed with conviction. We're overwhelmed with guilt. And what I need you to know is that's not always a bad thing. Sometimes that's the Holy Spirit. That is the morning after the hangover has ended and we realize that we just tossed months of sobriety out the window. It's the moment after sending that text or that friend request or that DM to that girl or that guy when your spouse is asleep in the next room. It's the time that you said you would never click on that. You'd never watch that again. You'd never scroll on that website. And then you look up and realize you've been doing just that for the last two and a half hours. Guys, it's the reason your hurts still haunt you. It's the reason your habits, they stay with you. It's the reason you continually get hung up on the same things that you have been for years. That Listen, I know some of you are not going to want to hear this. And for some of you, this is going to be hard to hear. And if you haven't been following Jesus for any amount of time, like it's, this is going to be especially hard. But for those of you that have lived enough life, for those of you that have experienced this enough, you guys know this to be true, especially if you've spent any time with anybody under two years old, that we are evil, like to our core, that we don't always know what is right. We don't always know what is best for us. We make bad decisions. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, great, Josiah. I appreciate the guilt trip. Thanks, I should have hit the snooze button on this sermon rather than show up here today. But the reason I tell you this is because we all need to understand we are not the best guides. We are not the best person to listen to all the time. I know I'm not. I mean, I make stupid decisions all the time. I've made a mess of my life at times. And I know what happens when I start listening to myself too often. I know where I'm gonna end up if I've been listening to myself for too long. I find myself in a place that I don't wanna be. Why? Because I'm evil. But that's exactly why I need the Holy Spirit. That's exactly why I need him in my life. But I also know I'm not alone in this. That most of us are like the rest of us when it comes to this. And even if you're not willing to admit it, Guys, we don't make the best decisions for ourselves all the time. And we've tried to do life on our own, haven't we? We've tried to solve our own problems. We've tried to get ourselves out of things, haven't we? But over time and after a lot of struggling and striving to change ourselves, to change our de desires, to change our behaviors, we find ourselves unable to make much progress. Like by a show of hands, how many of you guys have ever said this? And I'm raising my hand for all of these. Like, I'll change that tomorrow, or I'll do that tomorrow, only to say the same thing tomorrow. Or how many of you guys have said, no, that's the last time I'm going to fill in the blank, only to find yourself in the same position a week later? Or how many of you have said this, and I know this hurts a little bit because I know many of us have used this on one of our spouses. We say, no, I'm changed. I'm different now. That's not who I am. I've changed or have you, that we know many of us from firsthand experience the kind of life marked by constantly listening to ourselves, constantly listening to our sinful desires rather than the Holy Spirit, that it puts us in a place where we don't wanna be. 
And Paul, he describes some of these places in Galatians 5. And I'm going to read from the message paraphrase because I like how he words it. But as I read this, I want you to think, have any of you ever been in some of these places before? This is what he says. He says, it's obvious. And it is, isn't it? It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get our own way out all the time, out of listening to ourselves out all the time, after following our sinful desires all the time. It's obvious what happens. Paul says it's repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. It's frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. It's trinket gods and magic show religion. It's paranoid loneliness. It's cutthroat competition. It's all-consuming yet never satisfied wants or desires. It's a brutal temper. It's an impotence to love or be loved. It's divided homes and divided lives. It's small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into one of your rivals. It's uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. It's ugly parodies of community, false community. And then he says, I could go on. And he could, couldn't he? But guys, this is what's at stake. That I'm telling you this morning that I've lived enough life, I've sat across the table from enough people to say, if we continue to listen to ourselves, to follow our feelings, to go wherever our hearts lead us, like that's where it's gonna lead. It's gonna lead us to places we don't wanna be. It's gonna lead us to things like depression, things like loneliness, things like anxiety, things like frustration, to joyless jobs, to teetering marriages, to dads that walk out on their kids and moms that are okay with them doing so, to teens that take their own lives, to addictions that control everyone else's lives, to cheap imitations of something better. And listen, if there's anything I want you to hear me say this morning, it's this statement right here. It doesn't have to be like this, that there's a better way. That it doesn't have to be like this. There's a better way. And not just better in the sense of right and wrong and morality and anything like that, but better for you. Better for each and every single one of us. And listen, nobody actually wants to live their life that way. Yet time after time we find ourselves choosing this over what God says is better. And Paul is trying to make it clear to us. It doesn't have to be like this. There's a better way. And that better way, his name is the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul goes on to say, yes, it's obvious, guys. It's obvious what happens when we listen to ourselves. It's obvious when we follow our sinful desires. But when we instead choose to follow the Holy Spirit, when we choose instead to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, he says the result's different, that the result is better. He goes on to say this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. That's what the sinful nature produces, but this is what the Holy Spirit produces in your life. Things like love, things like joy, things like peace, things like patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Guys, who doesn't want more of those things in their lives? Who doesn't want more love? Who doesn't want more joy? Who doesn't want to be more disciplined in their life? Who doesn't want more peace? Guys, there's not a person alive, not a person in this room that would say, no, I don't want any more of those things in my life. And while I wish I could stand up here and just say, hey, if you just simply start following Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit in your life, if you just do that, then like all these things are gonna be given to you. 
Like that just hasn't been my experience. That just isn't true. And for those of you who've been following Jesus for a very long time, my guess is you would probably say that hasn't been your experience either. No, there's two things in this passage that I wanna point out that I think are important for us when it comes to keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. And the first one is this, that the Greek word for fruit is the word karpos. And while that means nothing to you guys, what I need you to understand is that this word is singular. It's not plural. That these things, they're the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits of the Spirit. Why does this matter? Because God isn't interested in giving you a partial gift. God isn't interested in giving you just a piece of the pie. He's not just interested in giving you just a piece of the plan. That the Holy Spirit's not gonna produce in you things like goodness and gentleness and then skimp out when it comes to joy and self-control. That no, this is a package deal. That the Holy Spirit's trying to produce all of these things in your life. That all of these things, they're available to you through the Holy Spirit. That he doesn't want you to have one without the others. And that's important, especially for some of you that have experienced pretty hard lives, that the world has just beat you up, that circumstance after circumstance has happened to you and you start thinking and you start believing the narrative, well, maybe God just doesn't want me to be joyful. Or maybe you've experienced a lot of division, maybe in your family, maybe at work, maybe in other areas of your life and you think, well, maybe God just doesn't want me to have peace. Or maybe you have this addiction that you can't get over and you think to yourself, well, maybe God just doesn't want me to have self-control. No, that's not how it works that this and all of this is what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you. And so that's the first thing, that this is an all or nothing kind of deal. The second thing is this, it's that word produce. And notice that it doesn't say give. Notice that it doesn't say the Holy Spirit's gonna grant you these things or imbue you with these things or bless you or gift these things to you. No, it says the word produce, why? Because it's gonna take some work. And I'm probably the least qualified person in this room like to talk about things like farming and growing things because like I kill everything I touch. But here's what I know about fruit. It doesn't just magically appear on trees, right? And no, it takes work. That there's a process, that there's preparation, that there's pruning that takes place in order for that fruit to appear. And in the same way, when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, when it comes to God producing these things in you through the Holy Spirit, Those things, they don't just magically appear. No, there's a process. There's preparation. There's pruning. And so when you go to God and you say, hey, God, I want to be more patient, God's not just going to magically make you a patient person. Instead, God is going to give you opportunities to show patience in your life. That when you go to God and you say, God, I want to experience more joy in my life, God's not just going to bless you with more joy. He's going to give you opportunities to be joyful. And sometimes it's gonna be really hard to be joyful, making these very dangerous prayers. And when you go to God and you say, God, I wanna be more loving, that God's not just gonna make you more loving. Instead, he's gonna put you in situations, he's gonna put you around people where, where you can show more love. And then not all at once, but instead, over time, after continually choosing to be patient, after time and time again of being joyful, even when it's hard, after person after person, after loving some of the hardest people in your lives, then not only are you going to experience some of these things, but these things are gonna start to define you. That you weren't just faithful in a moment. No, instead you are a faithful person. You didn't just experience peace that one time. 
But instead, there is a peace that exists in you that can't not be understood by the world around you. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. That these are dangerous prayers because God's going to put us in situations where we have to choose these things. But if there's anything I've learned about the Holy Spirit, it's this. That the things he's trying to produce in you aren't just what's right, but they're what's best. That these things are better. That it doesn't have to be like that and there is a better way. And so when Paul talks about keeping in step with the Spirit, this is what he's talking about. He's not just talking about like making that decision to commit your life to Jesus at a youth camp and then you receive the Holy Spirit and then you're like good for life. No, he's talking about consciously, sometimes even painfully at times, making the choice to trust the Holy Spirit day after day, moment after moment, decision after decision, until eventually you can act and you can do things without even having to think about them. Guys, if you wanna experience a life full of love, if you wanna experience a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of patience, kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of self-control. Guys, it starts not just by trusting the Holy Spirit with the giant leaps in your life, but it starts by instead trusting him with the small, consistent steps that we make on a daily basis. And so maybe today you walked in here and you've been struggling with something for a really long time, and you've been working at it to fix it on your own, but you haven't made much progress. Maybe for you it's an addiction whether to drugs, alcohol, pornography, you fill in the blank, and you've tried your best to get over these things. You've tried your best to get past these things that you think, if, you know, if I'm just more disciplined, and if I just put more guardrails up, man, if I just have the right mantra in my head, if I just have the right accountability partners, then this thing will go away, but you've tried it and it hasn't. Or maybe for you it's anger, that you're just one moment away from blowing up on the people around you that you have a temper and you know it and it hurts you and it hurts the people around you. And you've tried everything to manage your temper and look, I get it, like I walk around angry like 98% of the time. But you walk around at a low grade anger just waiting for something to set you off and you've tried to work on it. You've tried meditation, you've tried prayer, you've tried deep breathing, but nothing seems to work. Or maybe for you it's anxiety. That There are just so many things that weigh so heavy upon your shoulders all of the time. And you have more unanswered questions than you do answered ones, and those begin to weigh on you. And you start thinking about all the things with your faith, with your family, with your finances, with your future, with your work, and they begin to overwhelm you, and you start spiraling. And you've tried to manage these things on your own, but you can't. And maybe you walked in here today, and you're like, great, Josiah, like, keep in step with the Spirit. That sounds awesome. But what does that actually look like? And if that's you, I just want to give you one tip. One thing that you can implement in your life that I think would help you when it comes to keeping in step with the Spirit, and it's this. This actually came from Pastor Aaron, you know, a couple months ago when I was talking to him about this sermon, talking about some different things uh, that, that we were going through. And he said, hey, whenever you feel yourself, start listening to yourself. Whenever you start to feel overwhelmed, whenever you feel yourself starting to drift back towards the sinful nature, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop and take five. Stop and take five. Not five minutes, not five hours, five seconds. To just count down or count up out loud or in your head to five and then pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, help me to make the wise decision. Help me to make the wise decision. 
And maybe for you, it's your addiction and you start reaching for that bottle. You start reaching uh, for something that you know is bad for you. You start reaching for that screen. And rather than reaching for those things and starting to do something that you know you do not want to do, it's stopping and going one, two, three, four, five. Holy Spirit, help me to make the wise decision. Or the next time your anger starts to well up inside of you and you you feel like it's gonna pop and you feel like you're gonna blow up on your kids or you're gonna yell at your spouse or you're gonna say something that you regret it stopping and going one, two, three, four, five. Holy Spirit, help me to make the wise decision. Or the next time your anxiety starts to overwhelm you and you start asking the questions, how are we going to pay for that? Or what's going to happen to them in this? Or I don't know how to handle this situation. It's stopping and going one, two, three, four, five. Holy Spirit, help me to make the wise decision. That guys, I can tell you, I've implemented this over my life over the past month and you would be amazed the amount of times the Holy Spirit has helped me win that moment, the amount of times the Holy Spirit has led me to something that I wasn't even thinking about, the amount of times that I've been able to keep in step with the Spirit because I'm conscious that he's there and I'm asking him for wisdom. Guys, we wanna be the kind of church that catches the wind. We wanna be the kind of people that understand and get to experience everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer us. And that happens whenever we choose in those moments to turn to the Holy Spirit, let him guide our lives rather than to listen to ourselves. Because I truly believe when we become those kinds of people that are defined by love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control that the rest of the world will look at us and say, they figured out something that we haven't. And they'll wanna be a part of what Jesus is doing. And so we want to be those kinds of people because we know whenever there are people who are in step with the Spirit, you can't help but want to be around them. A couple weeks ago or about a month ago, uh, Pastor Aaron and I, we got to head down to the Dominican Republic uh, to go uh, and see one of our partnerships with Mission of Hope. And we got to hang out with TJ, who many of you guys met last week. And it was an amazing trip. We got to see plenty of their projects and some of the things uh, that they do down there. And then also we got to visit with some of the pastors that they partner with. And after we got done talking with one of the pastors, we got in the car and it was our last day there. And so we get in the car and TJ turns around and he said, hey, this is the last thing we're going to go do, uh, but this is going to bless you. Like this is going to fill your cup. And in the Christian world, anytime you hear this, like you're just a little bit skeptical because you're like, is this going to be like a nine hour prayer meeting or, you know, like, what is this going to be? And so we get in the car and we start heading out of town and we drive out of Santiago and we uh, go out into the country and we pull up to this house. And a house um, is a little bit generous. You know, it's a house that Mission of Hope had made for this lady. Um, I'll tell you, like, it was extremely nice for her, but it was definitely less than I've ever had. And so we get out of the car and we go into the house and immediately like a smile spreads on my face. And I instantly understood why TJ said what he said. Because as soon as we walk in this house, this little 96-year-old woman that they called Abuela, uh, who's four foot nothing, okay, goes up to my hip. She starts running through the house. She's clapping. She's praising God. She's giving everybody hugs. And she's saying, God, thank you so much that these people came to visit me. And she was just so grateful. It oozed out of her. 
And the longer that we sat there with her, I thought, you know, this is the most joyful woman I've ever met. And we sit down with her and we start talking to her and it's immediately apparent to me. Here's a woman who knows what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Here's a woman who knows what it means to dance and actually dance with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would tell her pray. She would lift her hands and she would go around and she would start praying for people and she was just so passionate about it. The Holy Spirit would urge her to encourage and she would go around grabbing people's hands, looking in people's eyes and encouraging them. That the Holy Spirit at one point told her to sing and she got up and she got the whole room clapping and she's singing and she's praising God. And in a moment, I realized this woman has less than I've ever had in my life. But she's also figured something out that I never have. And that's what it really looks like to keep in step with the Spirit. And I got to spend like 30 minutes with her, an hour with her. But I wish I could have stayed all day for several days just to learn from her what it looks like to keep in step with the Spirit because it was infectious. Trace Church, we need more abuelas in this world. We need more people who are willing to keep in step with the Spirit, who know what it means to turn our sinful desires away, to turn listening to ourselves away, and instead trust in the Holy Spirit with everything that we do. Because when that happens, we truly get to be a church that catches the wind. We truly get to experience what the Holy Spirit has to offer us. And we get to be the kind of people, the kind of church, and knows what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. God, I want to say thank you for people like Abuela. God, at 96 years old, to have joy and love that just oozes out of her, God. God, I hope that someday that can be said of me. God, I hope that someday that can be said of the people of Trace Church, that the world would look at us and see that there's something different because we've chosen to keep in step with your spirit. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you've sent not only to just guide us and direct us, but to convict us, to change our desires, to combat the sin that exists with each and every single one of us. God, thank you for the fact that it doesn't have to be like that, that there is a better way. And so help us to choose the better way. Help us to choose the Holy Spirit. God, we love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.